The time is now. What is the secret to success? Movement. People look at you strange saying you change, like you work that hard to stay the same. Like you're doing all this for a reason. Hard work. Yeah. Works. Welcome to the latest Trains Talk. This is Donovan. I uh, had a this this Trains Talk is a little unique. Um, I'm on the other side of the uh, of the uh, the table, um, being interviewed, and I got interviewed by our marketing coordinator, Lainey Wright, who's head of uh, our marketing um, for Calcica Fit and DWS, and she, you know, you know her and and some information she's got through our social media people who've asked questions um, about some of the stuff that I've done over the past years and and being a black owned business and being Black History Month you know she felt that it would be an interesting perspective for me to be interviewed to talk through some of those subjects to explain something that I don't usually go into a lot of detail explaining um, just because I don't I usually am um, honestly probably you know I, I, I don't want to be on a soapbox about stuff that I feel like is better shown through action but I do think every once in a while when the opportunity is right to be able to uh, clearly describe um, and talk about my vision as somebody who is African-American who um, who lives uh, in an area that is uh, less than 1% uh, African-American uh, being Napa Valley and having a, a business um, that is growing and trying to continue to grow uh, what that looks like and, and what somebody like myself who's in this uh, rarity um, in this area how do you navigate that is there situations that come up that um, put you in a awkward situation and how do you handle it and so uh, Lainey, who has a journalist uh, degree, uh, she sat down and and asked me some you know very thoughtful questions on those experiences as being a black uh, CEO and owner of a business, and also you know just you know navigating um, this current world and and how it's uh, it's you know it's if you really want to understand like some of the behind the scenes I kind of get really thoughtful on that and some some spaces how I interact with my kids with them being mixed and how that how their experiences and understanding race um, is it's important to understand but how to not make it a limiting factor so uh, I hope you sit back and enjoy um, this conversation I have with Lainey and uh, you know just to kind of end cap the uh, Black History Month which is I know it's a month, but for me, I, I think of it uh, 365 in different ways. You know, a great story is a great story, and hopefully you'll get to learn a little bit more about my story in this conversation. Yeah! But, yeah, first off, I appreciate you, like, taking the time to talk to me um, and have me interview you. Um, I know that this month there's a lot of, like, historical significance um, for black people and African-Americans, and I'm excited to learn more okay. um, during this hour that we have, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Um, 
So first question, um, obviously your listeners know what you do, stuff like that. How would you personally describe your professional position? Um, and I'd also love to hear the evolution of your position from when you first came to Napa Valley versus where you're at now. Um, I think the, I think what most people identify me as is a personal trainer. Okay. So professionally, I think when most people see me uh, or meet me, that's what they know me as. Um, And I'm totally fine with that. You know, I think the CEO title um, is something that I really only use when doing business to business type of introductions. Mm -hmm. And so my skill as a personal trainer is what has given me the ability to build everything around it. So that's, that's kind of usually what I come back to is that um, I'm considered a personal trainer or somebody who understands the, the body and how it moves and how it works and how to connect the mind to the body um, through motivation, through life coaching and through exercise. Okay. How do you think um, being a personal trainer has helped you when it comes to being a CEO of you know, a fitness and wellness business? Do you think that has assisted you at all? I think, I think so. I mean, I, I, I would say it's not as much the, the profession as is uh, the skills I've either developed in the profession or the skills I had as a young person that continued to develop and the personal training um, it's just an opportunity to practice those skills and elevate them. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that um, specifically to personal training is that you do evaluate and you problem solve a lot in, in the personal training positions where, especially when you're, if you're a personal trainer who's not just doing a cookie cutter kind of program. It's, if you're working with the person, you're like looking at them and saying, I'm doing the program that's for you, mm-hmm. then you have to assess that person, see where they're currently at, um, you know, and then put together a program or a plan that will help them get to a stage based off their goals or where they should be based off where their health is. Um, so that's one part of it is that, you know, you have to do that all the time in business and is, you know, assess currently where you're at, assess what business partner you might be working with who's, who's um, asking you to consult with them, you know, you're, you're assessing them, you're kind of giving based off your skill set, what you feel that could help them bring them to another level. And then, um, and then you'll reevaluate as you go. Um, I think the other kind of big skill is that you have to be a people person. You're working with people and you have to, um, I believe, uh, you know, different people have different uh, mindsets when it comes to this part of it, but I believe in kind of meeting people where they're at right. when they come into, you know, wanting to ideally better themselves or to get in better shape or to set aside some time for themselves is to be able to communicate to them um, in a way that is positive, um, but also at the same time forces them to get a little bit out of their comfort zone and letting them know it's okay to do that and that we're going to get you we're going to get you there and yeah. and and have them visioning 
positive images of themselves yeah. when they're doing this work. Definitely. So when you say meeting people where they're at, um, personally, I think there's different aspects of that. So, um, like, do you mean physically meeting them where they're at or mentally? Cause I know we discussed this last week at our meeting, um, how clients come in and they could have, you know, heavy weights on their shoulders, um, psychologically, emotionally. So when it comes to like meeting people where they're at, um, are there different aspects of that? Um, and do, do those apply to your training sessions as well? Totally. And this is where I probably am a little bit different is one of the reasons I like to do the podcast and interview people is I like to meet people. I usually like to meet them first when I'm first okay. meeting them. Ideally, I like to meet them in the physical form um, okay. of what they're, you know, whatever they're coming to me for. But then eventually I feel like to truly evolve and kind of because the thing that you, you, you'll you see is if, if I really just treat it and I just, I never saw the person and I just heard what their issue was and I was able to kind of evaluate them but not be in the room with them and just gave them the program and say, if you do this, this will fix your knee issue or this will, this will get you stronger in your, your hips or whatever. Um, it might not, I might not fix the overall issue of why that happened. Mm-hmm. So that could be the way they walked or they, they don't take enough time for themselves to do recovery. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they might have a level of stress on them that they round their shoulders or they, you know, they do certain things that ends up leading to those issues. And even though I gave you the plan to get it stronger, it doesn't mean that you're going to execute that plan. And secondarily, okay, you might fix it temporarily, but if we don't fix or address or make you aware of the thing that potentially caused it, then it's hard to kind of get at root and really make, um, you know, decades worth of change where it sticks and, you know, you no longer, are you really reduce the chance of that issue happening again? Yeah. Absolutely. It's definitely a lifestyle, um, lifestyle thing for sure. Um, so switching gears, um, what are, or we talked about how this week we wanted to discuss aspects of like black history month and what that means to you. Um, and we're talking about your career as a CEO and as a personal trainer. Um, did you have any difficulties or did you notice any difficulties getting to this point um, because of your race or has that not been an issue for you or I'd love to hear about about that yeah no so I think you know that has it's a it's a very interesting thing because it's it's um, I would say big picture I try not to overly think about it okay but I'm aware of it if okay. that, that makes makes sense, because I think if you always think about what might be from the outside saying as a potential weakness, if you think about it too much, then you're going to start to believe it. Absolutely. And so I have a level of confidence and a level of I'm just going to I'm a problem solve and figure it out. I work hard and. And I'm gonna let the chips fall where they may. There's definitely been situations, not as much uh, overtly about um, 
you know, trying to come up in the business. I would say it's, it's, it's more, it's, it's not, uh, it's funny, it's not, is I've had situations with, with police. I've had situations here in definitely in the South. Uh, I've had situations like that where people don't know me type of situations. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's not a, uh, it's not a thing that is, uh, like really tangible that you can like really hold on to. It's yeah. something like something, something as subtle as this. So my parents, uh, grew up in the projects. They both got their college degrees, became professionals in their own right, and you know, rose to a middle, upper middle class type of uh, lifestyle. And, yeah. and I grew up in that upper middle class lifestyle, which is great, you know, and, and this put me in position because I was able, they were able to get me to college and, and, and things like that, which, and I had the role models of them as professionals to kind of give me some background to work into. I definitely, you know, it is sometimes when you're in situations living here yeah. is subtle, you can tell subtle advantages where some of the, you know, it's mainly white. Most of the people are just two to three generations ahead of where I notice my overall big picture family is. Okay. So my aunts, my uncles, and things like that. And, and, and what I mean by that is that, um, is that my grandmother, who worked at, at a school and everything, she, had, she didn't have as many advantages. She was dealing with certain things from the civil rights era and, and 1920s and 30s and stuff and all the things that happened in that era that you, just, you can just see that I'm a couple of generations behind in, in some of those advantages. And I don't okay. fault people for it, it's just where it, where it is. But one of the things that has been beneficial, and I've tried to flip it on his head, is that because I'm one of the few black people in this area, yeah. people know, oh, that must be Donovan. And okay. that can also be beneficial from a marketing standpoint when people are trying to stand out from the crowd, I stand out from the crowd. That's true. So, that is true. So not just in, um, not just in skill set. I mean, you know, I, I do believe my skill is what brought me there, but I do think it's I'm approachable because they know who I am based off that, and I'm pretty approachable and things like that. So I think that has actually been a little bit of an advantage that mm -hmm. I am a rare bird in, in the Napa Valley. Definitely. Um, I wrote on the, as I was writing out these questions, I wrote that, um, I was doing my research and I think in Atlanta, where you're from, um, the population is over 50% black or African American. And in Napa Valley, it is 0.8%. Yeah. Um, so that's just something that I thought about and I was like, I wonder if this has had an effect on your experience, which it looks like it has um, to an extent. But you were talking about your family 
Um, who has been your biggest personal inspiration in your family? We talked about how your parents were came from the projects and um, kind of did the work to become educated and kind of get out of that situation and give their family um, a fantastic life, as what I can see. Yeah. Um, so who was your biggest inspiration growing up? So I kind of, uh, based off, I'm going to go into that question, but one of the things kind of follow-up where you were saying, you know, it's like over 50% in Atlanta, you know, people have said this over over where representation matters. Um, And one of the things of being around Atlanta is that you see black business owners, you see black doctors, you see black lawyers, you see um, that. And that gives you, you know, it maybe subconsciously it gives you a little bit of thought process of like yeah i can do anything because i've seen it you know and so um, when it comes to kind of inspiration within i mean definitely my parents i mean they both gave me uh different aspects of myself that i take from both there is a level-headedness there is a um a kind of uh calm presence or more of a like a approachable presence that I, I feel like I get from my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think from the hospitality side of greeting people when they come in and stuff like that, I get that from my dad. Um, another thing I think I get from my dad is consistency in terms okay. of showing up. You know, he was very consistent, you know, didn't take a lot of time off from work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, was, you knew what you were going to get, you knew you were going to get um, an A level of uh, consistency when it came to his work and stuff like that. So you take the ability to be in different crowds and, and things like that with my mom and, and, and you take that aspect of my dad, the consistency and hardworking, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely poured into it. There's definitely some other uh, people, there's a, a, a cousin of mine who's been a very successful business owner that um, has been a little bit of a inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, his name is Mac Wilburn. He, uh, for years, he, when I was younger, he owned like seven or eight McDonald's and fast food area, uh, chains kind of things in the Atlanta area. And, um, and then he, around 2001, he, he got into the Atlanta airport and started to own restaurants in the Atlanta airport, which is probably now up to like eight or nine restaurants that he owns in the, in the airport. And he owns majority of the vending machines in the airport. And so just kind of over years, he's kind of, and so he's kind of been a little bit of an inspiration on that end. And then I've, through clients, I get a, um, not just taking it there, but you know, there's definitely some clients over the years that have given me inspiration. Mm-hmm, definitely. What do you think is the biggest um, or the piece of advice that someone has told you throughout your life that, you know, whenever times get tough or whenever you're not feeling motivated or, you know, the weight of the world is on you, what's one piece of advice that someone's given you that you kind of keep going back to? Um, or not the advice, but some type of yeah. lesson. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, it's just a good question. I, have to really, I just have to think about it. I mean, like, you know, you get a lot of different lessons um, and wisdom. I think um, 
I think that the, 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 I would say that I don't know if people have said this directly, but one thing I've kind of learned is is know, know your boundaries. Okay. Know, know to what level you're not going to compromise yourself. You know, okay. so, you know, like when things get hard, you know, there is, um, I, I think an example is we paid, we have two spaces um, in Calistoga. We have our studio, we have our gym. Mm -hmm. We paid them every month through the pandemic, even though we couldn't really use the space for several of those months. Mm -hmm. And some of that is, you know, I want it, it's the principle, you know, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be behind people in good times and bad. But if, um, if it was affecting the ability to feed my family, that's, that's the barrier I'll stop at. That's the boundary. That's the boundary. So I have, you know, you know, you know what that is. You know, there, there are certain things that, um, you know, if somebody says, a client, you know, we can have like a, uh, I can be talking to a, a client that's white and they mm -hmm. can say something. And I think one of the things that's been a benefit when working with people in the Napa Valley or working with clients that are of a different race is that I probably can give them a subtly different exper uh, experience or context mm -hmm. to things like George Floyd or to things that happen culturally or in sports that's just a subtly different angle that makes them mm -hmm. kind of go, okay, I, I kind of see that, you know, yeah. and, and they know that they can talk to me and I'm not going to judge them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to, oh, I'm going to run to, you know, social media or say a lot of things behind your back. We can have, this is a safe conversation, but mm -hmm. I'm not, but usually people can talk about political stuff and I usually just kind of let it, mm -hmm. even if I don't agree to it, I can let it, but there are certain things where I like, now they they need to know this perspective and I'll step in and I'll say something. I think that's really important to hear different perspectives on really anything. Um, but yeah, that's really great thing. Like you said, representation matters. So you're that representation um, in Napa Valley, which is really great. Um, you were talking about, you know, know your boundaries, know what you're know what you're here for. Yeah. Um, so what motivates you? as um, a business owner and at that uh, black business owner in Napa Valley? What's your motivation? Um, the biggest motivation is to uh, help people um, get to their best self. That's mm -hmm. the biggest, that's the biggest like overarching um, uh, kind of thing is, you know, through interactions with me or th with people that work with me. I would say, uh, when I first came out here, it was interactions with, with me. And then, you know, you start to learn, it was like, okay, is there a way for me to do this in a bigger way? Can I affect more people in a positive way? And Definitely. so that's what, you know, DWS and Calcica fit. Those are the arms of that, me trying to do that. My, and me trying to partner with the city. We yeah. offer free classes to, us doing private training where it's up to $200 an hour type of thing. Um, it's, it's kind of, we have levels for, every, people can approach and I can help people 
wherever they're at financially, wherever they're at, you know, for mm -hmm. the most part mentally, wherever they're at, for the most part physically, I can provide some um, sense of value uh, to their life. So that's the that's the biggest uh, motivation, and it is really concentrated. It was really concentrated in Up Valley and Napa Valley, but I kind of opened my brain to um, not it being so concentrated to one area. It's just concentrated to the right opportunity. If I feel like I yeah. can help in any part of the world and, and, and truly do it, I would do it, you know. Absolutely. So. That's something I've noticed um, as I'm running our social media accounts and things like that. Um, the comments and the posts that people tag us in, it's always about um, like this gym has made me feel so welcomed. The people here have made me feel like I'm a part of an actual community. And I think that's really great because it kind of shows me and everyone, me because I'm behind the scenes, but um, that it doesn't really matter what background, what socioeconomic level you're at. There's always something that we can offer you, um, something that we can do for you to kind of help help get to your best self. Yeah, totally. Um, so bouncing off of that, um, you talked about your what motivates you is helping people get to being their best selves. Um, what do you think are some essential responsibilities of helping people get to that point? Um, whether that be physical, societal, emotional, any responsibilities that you feel placed on yourself to help people get to that point? Um, I, yeah, there, there is, uh, it's, it is res uh, responsibility. I think um, one of the things, and this is kind of removing the ego from certain situations, is that I try to communicate to anybody that I work with, client, um, yourself, Lainey, or to any, I try to be honest in the ways that I feel like we can, I can help. Mm -hmm. And I try to be, it's like, I've done this before, honest. And then there's like, I haven't quite done this a lot, but I feel like I can figure it out, honest. And then that can be also, maybe you should go to, go see a, uh, a therapist, honest. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the responsibility I have. Like, do I really feel like I'm capable to help you? I wanna help you. And sometimes the best way for me to help you is say, I don't know if I can help you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so Absolutely. that's, I would say that's the biggest responsibility. Everything else is if you understand that, you know, there's a chance that we might try something, try to get you to a goal, and it, mm -hmm. we might not get there. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to be honest that I tried to get you there. Um, and, and then sometimes you discover, oh, all we have to do is just make this other little switch, and then we get there. So... Yeah. Um, I would say that's the, the, the biggest uh, responsibility that I have. And then if I, if I feel like I've done that, um, then I feel like I've got given everything a fair shot. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, so bouncing back, what does Black History Month mean to you personally? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think big, big picture, um, it's, you know, it is, it is cool getting, um, seeing, um, 
different content and things that is geared around uh, acknowledging a group of people who've contributed towards society. Um, I, I think um, I don't, I personally don't gravitate towards um, Black History Month and as a as a big thing for me personally because I, I'm I'm thinking about aspects of that always in my it could be in my daily life my weekly life um, okay. you know a good story is a good story um, you know there is like you said representation of understanding I think uh, you know my grandmother passed away last year so you know, thinking about her history has been something that's on, on my mind in the last six months. Um, thinking about, you know, things she went through, um, you know, you kind of think about, you know, just like how she made me possible. Mm-hmm. You know, that, the, the, the weight of that, which is sometimes uh, in a positive way overwhelming. You know? Absolutely. Do you have a story that you'd like to share about your grandmother, um, one of the ways that she's impacted your life? Um, I think I'll tell you two stories. One story that's not directly, like, uh, that involves me directly, but one of the things that she was known for uh, in the neighborhood, eventually she was able to buy a house and get um, the family outside of the project, but it still wasn't a, you know, it was still kind of a lower income area. But now that area is... A little bit more gentrified, and it's actually that area is actually becoming a more nicer area. But she um, was always open to her doors, always open type of thing. So to other people in the community, um, it was like a, a sacred kind of safe space to come hang out with the Gates family, mm-hmm. which is my mom's side, my mom's uh, mother. So she was very welcoming to that port portion of that. I think um, she showed her love to me uh, through food. Okay. Um, and so one of the beauties was that, you know, I, I was born in Atlanta, lived, um, and then my dad's work transferred us to Northern Virginia, D.C. area, all the way up through, through college. I went to JMU and then I made a decision to go to graduate school at Georgia State in Atlanta, and one of the one of the main reasons was I miss going every Sunday to my uh, grandmother's house, uh, and she. So I was able to do that when I went back to graduate school, and we were able to reconnect and just come over every Sunday. And she would have some. She would even if it was just me and Jackie, she would she would make some food for us. We'll sit and watch whatever game was on, and and hang out for an hour and a half every Sunday. That's awesome. I love that. There's just something about grandmothers that warms my heart. Um, so bouncing off that, your grandmother affected your life in monumental ways, as did your parents. Um, what's something What's something that you want your kids to you know, remember about you, a story that you want your kids to tell um, once you're you know, older and an impact that you want to make on your children's life? Um, so I've done this with my daughter. I've done this with a couple of my kids, but I've done definitely with my daughter more often where 
uh, I want them to see how hard I work um, and understand that me and um, their mom, uh, we work very hard for what we do and we, okay. we continue to try to do our best. So I want them to see that and I want them to embody that part of, of, what, of us. Um, but I do check-ins and, and I will ask, am I working too much? Mm-hmm. And you know, am I spending enough time with you? Um, because that's important too. Because I, you know, I, uh, it can it can become selfish if I feel like I'm just trying to go after my goals professionally, and I'm not attending to theirs. And I hope they recognize that I do those check-ins. The reason I'm doing those check-ins is because, and I know it might change throughout their lives, is that as much as I'm doing this other stuff, a lot of this is wrapped around you guys and around, mm-hmm. and around my kids. And so um, if I'm not benefiting them um, in my hard work or if, if it's becoming really a negative, then, then I'll reevaluate it and I'll kind of pivot things to, um, to get it to the right level. Awesome. That's really great. Um, what are some challenges you've experienced when it comes to, um, you know, balancing work life? Um, having, you have four children, which is a lot, um, (laughs) and amazing, but how, how do you balance that? Um, because what I see is you're always at the gym, we're, we're working hard, we're getting more partners, we're, there's so much growth happening yeah. um, with the company. Um, so what's something you do to balance that out? So, um, like one of, the, one of the things that's, uh, I've kind of made a, kind of an internal pact with myself that uh, I'm home for every dinner. So that's one thing, and, and I usually, I'm the one who makes dinner uh, 90, 90% of the time. So um, one of the things is like, I start my day early, and I usually mm-hmm. can, most days of the week, most of the days of the week, I can be done by 4.30-ish, uh, five. So then I can help with things with them in the, the evenings and getting dinner ready and, and being around them. Um, mm-hmm. Sundays, I try to, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I make sure that it's around them. And then, uh, you know, I, I try to move things around to go to games when I can. So I think the, the biggest thing is, is uh, having those moments with them on that. And then sometimes I'll do little things before, if, before I leave for work, I'll make pancakes before I have to get out the door by six, you know. Wow. And so... It, it's those little things are worth it uh, to me, and then that's and then it's just communication. It's like, hey, are we spending enough time? And then if it's things that's really important to them, birthdays, um, events that are really important, I'm gonna be there. Yeah. I'm just gonna tell my clients, hey, I'm gonna shift something around, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there. Um, and so, yeah, that's. What's a lesson that your children have taught you about being a business owner or just something monumental that you've learned from your kids? 
Um, I would say so. Uh, the person who probably the, the kid, the child that's probably they're all teaching me something. They're all it's 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 a uh, it's amazing how much they can they can teach you, um, and uh, in different ways. Um, especially in ways of how your energy affects their energy. So that's, that's the most universal thing of like, sometimes the reason they're acting in a positive way or a negative way is because of how you're acting. And, and being honest with yourself of like, that's a little bit of you right. um, in the positive way or the negative way when, you know, they're, they're reacting to the way they're reacting to you or reacting with their other siblings or how they handle certain situations. So um, I would say Caleb, our oldest, uh, who's autistic, um, he, he helped uh, frame some different things uh, within the mindset of um, you when your first child, um, and you don't know you're gonna have other kids um, yet, is is autistic you the grandeur of what you have in your head of what your child will be shifts and you know it that wasn't a hard that was probably a harder shift for jackie than it was for me but it is a shift and learning that um you know you have to just you have to be grateful for the the time you get to spend with this this kid who shows um, patience and you and he loves you and he gives you hugs and he is a great artist and and you start to like realize like what are what's truly special you know with a situation with a person when you have those those moments and I think um, one of the things with with him is you know you learn patience you learn different ways to communicate and it's the kind of meeting people where they're at. Like some people not, might not be able to communicate with you. So that like I've been able to work with, with a family that's from Korea and they have family members who's, who are doing sessions and they, they don't speak that well of English. And, but I'm able to connect with them because I, I've learned different ways to communicate that is positive and is effective. Yeah, definitely. Is there, this is the last question about your children yeah um is there something that you teach your children about the concept of race especially living in um an area of the country where it's only 0.8 percent um black or african-american is there anything that you instill in your kids um just so that they'll they'll know um yeah yeah no there there you, you do i think you do it for the appropriate age, like I think trying to explain that concept to Caleb, um, who's autistic, is is a very I don't we haven't got around to doing that. And honestly, he probably doesn't even care, which is sometimes the great the great thing about you know him yeah. being autistic is that that part of it. Um, when it comes to Isabella and Elijah, who who are currently um, eleven and nine, um, respectively, they we do have those conversations of you know um, understanding that some people uh you know when they're learning certain things at school about civil rights stuff or just us civil different situations that um we do explain that there is 
some people don't view you in the best light. Um, and, but don't let that deter you from being yourself, you know. Um, understand that me and um, your mom love you very much. Understand that you have support and that you, um, you might be in a situation in your future where people will look at you a certain way just like they might look at you, Elijah as a bigger kid because um, he's much taller and, uh, than most of the kids in his age. Just like people are gonna look at you differently because you are bigger than, they're gonna think you're older than what you are. So I think um, understand that, but don't let that deter you from doing what, what you need to do or what's right. Yeah, don't let that dull your sparkle. Yeah. When you used to tell me. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. All right. So as we wrap up, um, we discussed earlier um, how there's a large representation in Atlanta um, of black owned businesses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you know of any black owned businesses in Napa Valley that we could talk about and get people to go go out and support? Um, I wish I, I, sh I should know more than I, I do. Um, and uh, I mean, I know locally that, you know, kind of uh, Buster's, which is a, um, a restaurant, a barbecue style restaurant in town. Um, he's a black business owner. Um, I don't know any other ones locally that's in Calistoga. Um, there's definitely some different people who might not be owners, but have made, you know, their own kind of way uh, in the wine, uh, wine world. Um, you know, one of those is, um, you know, I have, I have a close relationship with, uh, my clients who have been training for years, Dwayne and Susan Hoff, and one of the, their director for their, uh, their wine brand, D Lynn is, um, kind of a, become like a little bit well-known kind of sommelier, um, in the area and, and wine and, He's like on, he's done some things that are uh, where he's, Kevin Hart has like a, a new interview show that was on Peacock and it's the it's like conversations with different uh, celebrities, uh, but with wine involved. And so he's been on that show. He's been their wine person who would pour the wine and everything. And this is, it was a really cool show. They did uh, season one already and they have season two coming. So. There's things like that, but I, I, I really don't because it's just there's not that many, uh, in particularly in this area. There's like I said, there's other people involved in wine that are definitely African American, but I don't know if it's much um, location driven to, to Napa Valley. Yeah, definitely. Okay, um, final question. So, what do you believe that well-meaning people can do to celebrate and honor Black History Month? Um, this month and every month, really? Um, I think, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think celebrate it, you know, um, bring it, bring it up to um, kids of yours and everything, telling them the history, just like you would tell them the history of, uh, of any other kind of uh, group of people. Um, and, and then I think, the, the subtle thing is 
um, being open to if you're in, if you're in a position of experience. And what I mean by that is if you have a um, if you're attached to a wine organization or if you're attached to a position where you can provide an experience to a kid. I kind of believe I believe a lot in the kid the kid route. You know, I think them seeing different experiences like I, I believe in some of the like um, organizations that will just take like it could be like Boys and Girls Club, but it's different organizations that are specific locally that they'll take kids to go to colleges um, uh, when they're in middle school. You know, they'll do it here in Cal because there's, there's a very large Hispanic community in the area. And so some of the kids, they're not thinking about college because their parents don't have the means to even broach the subject. And so they don't even they don't even think in that route. And some of it, they never even know about it because they never even believe it's a possibility because they never even go to a college to even see what it looks like, you know, to like go. They might go to like a city junior college or See, see that, but you know, what is it like to be on the campus of Stanford, mm-hmm. or be on the camp campus of UC Berkeley, or be on the campus of Harvard, or be on the campus of University of Texas, or like some of these campuses where it's just like, wow, this is uh, impressive. And love, yeah, if you've never yeah. seen it before. How do yeah. you even know to dream for it? That's so true. That that puts that idea in your head, that goal. That's a seed. Yeah. Um, grow from there. And so that's that's the that I would say. So some of the things I've I've done I I've, I've done some mentoring things and some things where for my for my own extended family through my mother's side, uh, you know, cousins and stuff that come out or I've talked to them about business stuff because I become representation for them, and um, I'll do that where I'll do things with the boys and girls club. I've done talks. And everything like that about how I got to the positions I got to, what education I needed to do it, and I think um, it's important because I've I've had a kid who's now 23 when I first moved out here came up to me and said, "I remember when you you volunteered and you did the after school program when you first moved here, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, I was at Salage and I was this part time I was doing." just helping out like three to four hours a week um, mm-hmm. before Caleb was born. I was doing that and he's like, I remember that. And he's like, he was nine, you know? Yeah, those things really stick with the kid. Like I could count on two hands the amount of, or those types of events just growing up, those coaches that put in, that invested time in you or those adults that um, showed you that you matter. Um, and like you said before, kids are, they're the future. They're yeah. going to, that's where this country is going. So if you put those ideas in a kid's head or a child's head, um, can really grow into something beautiful. Yeah, totally. And I, yeah. I've done that. And that's kind of just to kind of wrap it all up. One of the things is that uh, that's some of the messages, um, I think, me being around um, a clientele that might be majority white um, is like when they're thinking about some of these things, um, you know, giving them a different angle that they, and it's, some, it's sometimes it's come into action of them investing in 
an opportunity they probably wouldn't have invested in, but because they know me and, and they've heard th these different experiences, they've, uh, they've either uh, volunteered time, money, or opportunity. Yeah, that's really amazing to hear. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Um, I feel like this was a very productive conversation. Um, is there any last points you'd like to touch on? No, I mean, I think this was, uh, this was really cool to kind of go through some different conversations that are going outside of uh, what I talk a lot about publicly. Um, so, you know, I do have these conversations privately um, over the years, but I think, uh, you know, just for the few people who will, will care, uh, you know, I think it's... Uh, um, it's sometimes just a reminder is always a good thing. And if they, yeah. if you remember, then when the, if you remember that, when the opportunity presents itself, you'll, you know, I think most people want to be good. Um, and that's, that's my hope. That's the only way I can think in a very positive light. And so if you just kind of remind them that it's, it's not as much of a black and white thing, it's just like, if you have an opportunity to give, an experience to somebody um, who normally doesn't have that experience, it's like, it's impactful in bringing people closer together. Yeah, I think spreading love is probably the best thing that you can do in this world. Um, showing someone they're cared for is, is monumental. Totally. All right, well, thank you so much. Um, I will talk to you tomorrow at our meeting. Great. <laughs>